on the airwaves. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Tutal Stuck Thompson. With me, as always, is Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. And uh, we're, we're here to bring you some Liberty goodness today. How's it going today, man? That's, oh, what a great day. Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, I had a fantastic weekend. Did you sit around and watch TV shows and stuff? I did. I, I started the show that you kept telling me about called Billions, mm-hmm, which feeds mm-hmm. into our trading addiction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a great show. Um, it, it's, well, between government and uh, free market, basically. <laughs> kind of. Well, there's some insider trading <laughs> and of. some other bad yeah. stuff happening, but it's <laughs> it's a good dynamic. It's a good it's a good paradox, I think, and, and I really like that. And then I also cleaned a lot. This weekend, uh, the lady was at a bachelorette party in Arizona, which is much more fun. I had plans to golf and stuff. My great Dane had plans to shit all over the house again. He did it again. Wow. And the, and the boxer decided, so we had, we have these, uh, our couch pillows have all the stuffing in it and we had to wash the couch pillows because when the great Dane decided to dump the other day, he went from the living room uh, and then he jumped up on the couch. Yeah. So we had to like literally strip our entire couch apart and wash everything, hang stuff out to dry, and that was all clean. But we had the stuffing inside of garbage bags, and when I came home Friday night, the boxer had decided, and I knew it was him because I walked in the door and he just like, you know how dogs will just like cower, like mm-hmm. oh, I'm so they sorry. They know, they know when they I'm do so stuff. I'm so sorry wrong. I did that. Yeah, and he avoided the living room while I was in there picking it all up, <laughs> and I was like, why are you not in here? You know why? Why are you not in here helping me? Because I know this was you. What did he say back? Yeah. He just went, mm. <laughs> and um, now he acts like everything's fine. Yeah. So. So Smokey just went all over everything again, huh? He did. That's he did. great. That's he great. It, it, which is which is weird because I had just taken him out like literally an hour before that mm. and nothing. When you got to go, you got to go. And then all of a sudden. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What about your weekend? You went to... Uh, I went to Illinois. I went and saw my mom. went to Communist Illinois. I went to Communist Illinois. Went still doing that, huh? <laughs> still doing that. Still seeing family. <laughs> and uh, it was fun. Just you know, another... I, I moved from Illinois and just avoid... I just You just don't go the there. I don't... You have family up no. in Illinois and you never go there. No, they to have me, to come to you. To me, there's a border there and I don't cross it. <laughs> so you do I, care about borders then? From Communist, yes. <laughs> okay. You know, you want to keep the communists from coming down here. I want to keep them from. Yeah, that's what that's what I want to do. Well, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast, by the way, where we talk about life, liberty and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. And we are on a streak right now. So many episodes of wanting to in a row. Sometimes I got to tell you, I don't want to. And it's just Mm. because it gets stressful. It yeah. gets real stressful to talk about this kind of stuff every day, but we still come in and we give you the news from a liberty-loving standpoint every day of the week when we want to. So listen, make sure you share this show with your friends. The numbers keep going up, and that's because you guys are sharing the show and because we do spend money on advertising as well, but mostly because you guys are sharing the show and girls, you guys and, and girls. We have we have probably the most humble fastest growing liberty podcast out there it is yeah there's and no one as humble as we are right yeah. it's, and and you get a fantastic show every day so that's why people keep coming back the subscription rate 
is through the roof. I can't remember what the exact numbers are. You guys remember, we used to talk about we're in the 90th percentile mm -hmm. of subscriptions, and we haven't looked at the that data lately. But you don't want to be part of the whore percent. I'm telling you. Don't do it. Be the ones that subscribe. Subscribe on YouTube, too, by the way. I'll tell you that at the front of the show. Yeah, we don't have to do go, it 40 minutes later. Go hit every that. Time. Go hit that. Uh, what is it? The bell or something? There's a subscribe button. There's literally a subscribe button on there. So yeah. I, I think that's what it is. I think the bell alerts you when there's a new video. So do both. Yeah, then. do all those things. Yeah. It'll take you about three minutes. It's real tough. All right. Well, I was I was just cruising through Twitter today, just fighting commies mm -hmm. all day, which is really my only job that, that I do, which is fight commies all day. And I saw herd immunity was trending on, on Twitter. I was like, uh-oh. Did we reach herd immunity? What's going on here? Well, it turns out the New York Times put out this giant article, and this is one you didn't have to pay for. This is so important. Everyone needs to read it from the New York Times here, saying that reaching herd immunity is unlikely in the United States. Experts now believe. The experts now believe. So we're not going to reach herd immunity. Mm -mm. Stop talking about it. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. All right, so they, they have this long article here, which I've cut a lot of stuff out of. It's not really important stuff that changes what the article says, uh, but basically detailing how it's just not going to happen in the U.S. And they talk about vaccine hesitancy being one of the reasons. They don't talk about how many people have had coronavirus and how that could add towards the number. They're only building the herd immunity number off of the amount of people that have been vaccinated. Yeah, because when you have the actual thing, that's not... Those, those are no, no way that you... That's there's no science saying that that creates antibodies that no. can protect you at all. There's no way you have the antibodies, the antigens. No, the no. Antifas. No, if that were have. to happen, this would be the first virus mm. that you would ever get and have mm. antibodies yeah. left over afterwards that would protect you from getting it again. Yeah. Remember chickenpox? I've never heard that was a thing. Never heard of her. Hasn't happened. All right, let's we'll we run used to. Uh, we used to just put people together. Mm hmm. We're like, hey, you got the pox and. You got the pox, and let's all just have sleepovers. Well, that's when you weren't dealing with the most deadly virus that we've ever had, oh, yeah, that we've right. ever came in contact right. with. Okay, so this is serious. Widely circulating, uh, circulating coronavirus variants and persistent hesitancy about vaccines will keep the goal of herd immunity out of reach. It's the, the, vi it's the variants. It's the variants. The virus is here to stay. But vaccinating the most vulnerable may be enough to restore no normalcy. Now, there's gonna, they're going to go into this a lot, which is something we've talked about. The next couple of articles are going to be talking about things that we've talked about, which is the fact that the vaccine is going to help, of course, but this virus is going to be here to stay. This is something we're going to deal with for a while, and now people are saying this. I don't know if you remember when the whole thing started. It was, we have to, we have to eradicate this. It's got to be nothing before we can go back to normal. And, of course... Free-thinking, normal, objective people are like, uh, that'd be like the one of the first times we've ever done that with a virus like this. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been fighting the flu for quite a long time now, and we still get the flu. A lot of people get the flu and die from it even every kids. single year, even kids. And kids don't even die from this one. <laughs> Early, you know what? You know what's interesting though is most people are getting tired of it. What you, what you see around the country, and I know this with my with my fiance going to a bachelorette party. I was like, I guarantee you. I was talking to her. I was like, there was no social distancing or max wearing at those clubs were there. She's like, no, they act like it doesn't exist. And I'm like, that's because most people are getting tired of this. Yeah. They're just like, this is. And again, I, I, again, I think you should take it seriously, especially if you're in the, if you're in the, 
if you're in the class of people that are most vulnerable to dying from this thing, because it can kill you pretty easily. If you have comorbidities and you're old, then you should, then you should stay away. But everyone else is getting tired of this entire thing. And they're just like, yeah, we're just going to do what we want. Yeah. We're just going to do what we want. And that's, what's going to happen. I went and saw a Preds game the other night. It's awesome. And they, I just got an email. They increased capacity again. Nice. So somehow that's, you know, all that's fine. Cause the sports teams are tired of losing money. <laughs> and so it's, it's people are getting tired of this. So it doesn't matter what they say. I think the, well, the market is the market. <laughs> And even the people, it, even that's what the market is. It's yeah. just people making decisions. And, you know, now people are less scared and they're just going to go out and do what they want. Early in the pandemic, when vaccines for the coronavirus were still just a glimmer on the horizon, even though they were already made <laughs> the term, the term. Yeah. Early one day in the pandemic, in the, in the pandemic, three, three days. days in the pandemic, when Before vaccines we a were a glimmer on the horizon, the term herd immunity came to signify the end game, the point when enough Americans would be protected from the virus so we could be rid of the pathogen and reclaim our lives. Now, no, we'll keep going. Now, more than half of adults in the United States have been inoculated with at least one dose of the vaccine. But daily vaccination rates are slipping. Uh-oh. And there is widespread consensus among scientists and public health experts that the herd immunity threshold is not attainable. At least not in the foreseeable future, and perhaps not ever. Mm. Now, in one way, by the way, the va- I even saw I saw Reason doing an article about how vaccination rates were going down quite a bit, and they were pinpointing since they did the pause on the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, and some of that's just going to be built in. By the way, of course, if you're pausing one of the vaccines, the rates are going to go down. People get a lot. More you're scared. All, you're scaring more people, of course, and not just from Johnson and Johnson, but from the other vaccines as well. Because you're like, well, if there's something wrong with one of them, there's got to be something wrong with all of them. So now you're feeding into the to the fear, to the old QAnon conspiracy theorists. <laughs> and then the other thing is, once you vaccinate so many people, the rate's going to go down because the the population that's available. But I didn't think that was possible, Nate. Because look, the, Biden was promising a million a day. We were at 950,000, but he was promising a million a day, and he was going to solve this thing. Mm-hmm. He was going to solve it. Well, he has. He's solved it uh, to the best of his ability. You know, this is all because of him, of course. Mm-hmm. Instead, they are coming to the conclusion, these are the experts here, they're coming to the conclusion that rather than making a long promised exit, the virus will most likely become a manageable threat that will continue to circulate in the United States for years to come still causing hospitalizations and deaths, but in much smaller numbers. You you don't say. (laughs) You don't say. You don't say. Go back a year ago on this podcast (laughs) and hear us talking about this. You're not just going to eradicate this thing. It's it's not going to happen. We haven't been able to do it with the flu. Over uh, over 100 years of dealing with the flu, and it's still here. We saw tens of thousands of people die every single year from the flu. And why would we talk about this? Why would you just sound like, oh, you're giving up, we're not going to stop? Because you can't shut down everyone's lives and you can't shut down the entire economy and keep everything closed until the vac- until the, the virus is gone. You, but that has been the goal of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. How much smaller is uncertain and depends in part on how much of the nation and the world becomes vaccinated and how the coronavirus evolves. It is already clear, however, that the virus is changing too quickly. New variants are spreading too easily, and vaccination is proceeding too slowly for herd immunity to be within reach anytime soon. 
even though we've vaccinated half the country. Well, we might as well might as well all give up. And we've had millions and millions of people that have had the virus already. Mm-hmm. Now, in the numbers that they go that they talk through, they don't talk about how much of the country has already had COVID. They just talk about how many people have been vaccinated. And we don't know how long you stay safe from COVID or how much safer you are. I don't think we have the for sure data on that, but it's been estimated four months, six months, eight months, something like that. You don't, you don't get the flu and then never get the flu again. Right. You know, and the thing about the flu shot that you guys have to realize is that even if you get the flu shot, you can still get a, get the flu. But the good thing about that is, is that the symptoms aren't as, aren't as bad. Yeah. And so, uh, I I get the flu shot. I, I didn't for a long time just because I never needed to. Um, but now that I work or that I live with an, with an ER nurse, I do get it and I've never had any bad symptoms from it. And I think one year, uh, two years ago, I did get the flu, but it literally, I felt bad for like two days and that was it. It wasn't miserable, like a normal flu miserable. I had family asking me again this week, whether or not I've been vaccinated and if I was going to be vaccinated. Now they are ardent Bernie Sanders supporters. The first time I met them, they tried to convince me to vote for Bernie Sanders. Oh, this is in this is Mike's family. And oh. uh, yeah, yeah. So um, that that did happen. And they were asking whether or not I was going to get the vaccine. And I said, I'm not against getting the vaccine, but I just don't care. <laughs> That's what I told <laughs> yeah. them. Listen, I'm not good at uh, I'm not good at taking care of the I just got the flu vaccine last year and it was my first time in probably 15 20 years mm. getting i don't i just don't think about stuff like that maybe that's dumb i don't know i'm not sitting here saying to not get the vaccine you got more important things i'm to just do. saying i'm 33 years old i'm in pretty good health and it's to me it's as important as going and getting my missions test so i can get a new registration on my license plate like that's basically what getting the vaccine is. which you just put that off i put that off for yeah. years i gave up on that yeah. within, within the first couple of weeks it was due <laughs> so i gave up on it uh moving down here vaccinations remain the key to transforming the virus into a controllable threat experts said dr fauci said quote People were getting confused and thinking you're never going to get the infections down until you reach this mystical level of herd immunity, whatever that number is. Like what? he's never been a he's never been a doctor or scientist. He's never heard of this before. What is this mystical? This mystical herd immunity. It's, it's magic land. <laughs> never heard of her. Wow. This never is heard the of nation's a, top doctor, by yeah, the way, folks. Yeah. That's like, this has never been a thing that anyone's ever dealt with before. Quote, that's why we stopped using herd immunity in the classic sense, he added. I'm saying, forget that for a second. You vaccinate enough people, the infections are going to go down. That he just doesn't want to say herd immunity because he's saying herd immunity. It's like you get enough people vaccinated, the infections are going to go down. If enough people get infected (laughs) and then enough people get the vaccine, then, uh, well, that's enough. And then the infections are going to go down. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about herd immunity. Right. Just forget it. Forget about yeah. that for a second. Early on, the target herd immunity threshold was estimated to be 60 to 70 percent of the population. Most experts, including Dr. Fauci, expected that the United States would be able to reach it once vaccines were available. Experts now calculate that the herd immunity threshold is about 80 percent. Even if more contagious variants develop <laughs> or if scientists find that immunized people can still transmit the virus, the calculation will have to be revised upward again. Wow. <laughs> so the science isn't settled. But now remember, they're they're only they're only showing the people who have been vaccinated, not the people who have also had the virus at the same time. 
So polls show about 30% of the U.S. population is still reluctant to be vaccinated. That number is expected to improve, but probably not enough. So recognize 30% of the population is reluctant to be vaccinated. The herd immunity number used to be 70%, but now they're revising it up to 80%. Of course. Does everyone catch the math right there? Yeah. 30% are reluctant. The herd immunity number used to be 70%. 60 to 70. And now they're saying it's 80%. Mm-hmm. Whatever past the amount of people that are reluctant to get vaccinated. It'll is. likely go up to 90. <laughs> because, well, you know, because the more people are reluctant, then that's what they have to do. Their, re- their resistance to the vaccines is a main reason the United States is unlikely to reach herd immunity. It is not the only one. Herd immunity is often described as a national target, but that is a hazy concept By in a way, country this large. They put this towards the end of the article. The resistance to the vaccine is the main reason the United States is unlikely to reach herd immunity. It is not the only one. <laughs> it's, it's not the, we're we're going to put that at the very bottom Yeah, and let you know that it's this is a multivariate issue. But we're going to blame vaccinations for the entire article <laughs> until the very end. While we say that this is the main reason, it's not the only one. What the the thing that I keep seeing here is the. It seems like they're doing everything they can to try and dissuade people from getting the vaccine. Still, is what I see. Like mm-hmm. the this is trending on Twitter. Uh, about a hundred thousand tweets about it so far, according to when I clicked on it on Twitter, and. The article is talking about how, oh, we're not going to reach herd immunity. It's not going to happen. Yeah. This is going to be here for, like, the, they don't, I don't know. They don't understand incentives at all for trying to get people to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got to keep wearing a mask. You're still dangerous to people. You're still at risk from other people being around you. doesn't matter if you've been vaccinated. You should still wear a mask. Oh, we're not going to reach herd immunity. It's not going to happen. Oh, we're going to pause this vaccine that millions of people have gotten because six people had some some potentially life-threatening things happen. So ridiculous. It seems like all they're doing is working to stop people from getting the vaccine. Yeah. Why would they do that? Yeah. Why would they? So they can so they can keep control. Yeah. <laughs> so they can keep talking about it and keep control. That's all it's that's all it's ever been about. The important part to realize is that they are now admitting that this virus is going to be here for they say years to come. Mm. I will go ahead and say forever is how long it's going to be here. And now we have to act according to that. That's thanks, the important China. part. We thanks, ha- China. Thanks a lot, China. Thanks for doing that, okay? <laughs> you take back your COVID and your DVD players and we're, we're done, okay? Um, this is going to be here. And so when we are talking about economics, when we're talking about how we're going to conduct ourselves as a society, it needs to be from the standpoint that this virus is just going to be a part of our lives. Mm-hmm. And then we need to move forward from that. And people need to adjust their mindset to uh, away from thinking that we're going to eradicate this thing and it's going to be gone if we all just wear three masks and we get 100% of the country to get vaccinated or something like that that it's just going to be here again next year so we're going to have to learn to deal with it that's 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 what i have to say mm-hmm. about that and yeah. another news item by the way charlie of something that we were freaking warning about throughout the entire Derek Chauvin trial and beforehand, something that we were warning out, warning about, looks like it might actually happen. Yeah, and we figured this would probably happen because this was such a national thing that finding a jury that knew nothing about it was going to be basically impossible. So I, you know, I, Chauvin's probably going to win an appeal, and they'll probably have to do a retrial, and this is going to be a whole thing for a very long time. So this is coming from the Daily Wire. Thanks, Ben. Report: Floyd juror wore BLM shirt referencing Floyd in July, challenging 
what he told defense during jury selection. One of the jurors who served on the murder trial of former Minneapolis police officer Chauvin reportedly sported a Black Lives Matter t-shirt with a reference to the death of George Floyd, seemingly challenging what the juror told the Chauvin defense team during jury selection. According to a report from the post-millennial, now public juror Brandon Mitchell, 31, is seen in a Facebook post published August 2020 wearing a hat that says Black Lives Matter and a t-shirt that says BLM with the words, Get your knee off of our necks, a reference to the death of Floyd. However, when Mitchell was asked by Judge Peter Cahill on March 15, 2021, if he knew anything about the Chauvin Floyd case, he said no, according to Fox 9 reporter Paul Bloom. I just put up a picture for the people watching live, by the way. And uh, so this is the juror right here that uh, didn't know anything about what was going on with the Floyd situation. Hadn't followed it at all. Wearing a BLM Mm -hmm. hat. Wearing a shirt that says, get your knee off our necks, BLM. Judge Cahill asked juror number 52, which is this guy, uh, Brandon here, whether he heard anything about the George Floyd civil case. He says no. He explained hearing some basic info about trial dates, et cetera, from the news in recent months, but nothing that would keep him from serving as impartial juror. And it seems like that may not be the case now. Is it possible? Well, I will say this. Is it possible that someone just gave him the T-shirt and he was behind Black Lives Matter and didn't know exactly what it was for? That's possible. While we're talk- the reason that we're talking about this is not because uh, rooting for the trial to be overturned, not because we want Derek Chauvin to get out of prison or anything like this. It's because you have to be aware that things like this can happen. And eventually when they bring this up, and they bring this up to a to a judge, and this gets overturned, because I'm telling you, I've watched a lot of Dateline. This is easily enough to overturn the conviction. Mm-hmm. Easily. If they if they want to go for it, this is easily enough. Yeah, they'll declare a mistrial. It, no well, problem. Well, you have Maxine Waters and her words as, yeah. a, as, a, as a United States representative. Then you've got <clears> this from a juror, which clearly shows, I say clearly, Highly likely it shows that he was not impartial. Yeah. And so then with all this evidence mounting, an appeal seems highly likely and they'll declare a mistrial and they'll have to retry. And it's not even about whether retry it. it's not even about whether or not he was impartial. They asked him the questions in the jury selection as to whether or not he was following it, whether or not he knew anything about uh, knew anything about it. And the, he he lied under he pretty oath. clearly lied under oath about it, mm-hmm. and they they can absolutely overturn the trial. So when think when people Joe are, says what judge would overturn it though? That's the that's and that's a good question. Yeah, because that person's going to be on the run for their lives. You'll be for surprised a long time. though. Judges take <clears throat> a lot of judges take <clears throat> very seriously the the proceedings about those kinds of things, and they get very offended that people lie. Yeah. In their courtroom. Yeah, they do. So <laughs> judge bot. <laughs> it's gonna have to be it's gonna have to be a, an algorithm probably running this thing. Yeah. But one thing we talked about when this trial was going on, uh, or right towards the end of it, we both think that Chauvin needs to be in prison for something, at least manslaughter. I would have said involuntary manslaughter would have been the the best thing overall. But you have to be able to separate the emotions of a trial and and think about people, Americans or human beings getting fair trials. And it can't be about what your emotions are when it comes to this specific scenario. 
It can't be about what we've seen on the news. The question has to be, should people get fair trials? And then when this, when a picture of one of the jurors wearing this get your knee off our necks shirt, the BLM shirt comes up, you have to ask yourself, was the jury impartial? Did he receive a fair trial? Now that might be really tough to talk about in public. It might be tough to take that stance, but the stance you have to take is that defendants, people that are accused of things in the U.S., when they go up for trial, there needs to be an impartial jury that convicts the person. If you're going to put someone in prison for a really long time, the jury needs to be impartial. It has to be fair. And so they, they're going to have to do this again, and then they're probably going to have to do it again, and then they're going to do it again after that. And it's going to take a long time. Mm-hmm. Until some kids who are growing up right now that that have never watched anything eventually are are going over the trial once again, and maybe you can find people who have not heard about this case or who have not picked a stance on it. Yeah. So, anyhow, I, I agree. I just think people should be ready when these things happen with what it is you think about it, and and regardless of what I think about what Chauvin did or how wrong it was or anything like that, I have to stand up for my right and for Charlie's right and my family's rights to have a fair trial when we're up for something. And Mm -hmm. that means you have to, you have to argue for it in the worst circumstances when you just feel sick in your stomach arguing for it, or we don't have a real judicial system that's, that's actually trying to find true justice anymore. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, that's all I got. Okay. So I was reading this article, you know, we talked a little while back about how capitalism could end up saving the environment, oddly enough. I, you wouldn't think Although that. Although government is. will take credit for it. <laughs> they will the take credit, yeah. Isn't it, isn't it weird that capitalists who are destroying the world, of course, could eventually save the environment, could stop this climate change, could, which what do we have? Uh, eight, nine, year, nine years, nine, ten years until the world is destroyed anyway? It's not very long left, right? Yeah. It's, it's almost gone. I think I we're was, at nine or ten years. I was talking to some of my some of that family I was telling you about. And um, it was just funny to hear how different people talk about different things. And they mentioned these islands they went to on vacation. And we're like, oh yeah, that's going to be underwater here in a few years anyway. And uh, all seriousness. Do they fly there? Complete seriousness. <laughs> so, Do they fly there? Yeah. They yeah. didn't swim? <laughs> they didn't swim there? Yeah, but it's just like this idea, like these things are going to be underwater soon, even though it just never happens. Yeah. It's just... It's, I don't know. It's fun. You know, it's, a few years back, uh, Hawaii got bigger, actually, the big yeah, island, because it did because it erupted. They had some more growth so they, out there. So, yeah, the <laughs> island's getting bigger <laughs> in Hawaii. So, anyhow, Elon Musk is talking about his carbon removal research, and he's going to be putting a hundred. We talked about this we because, did. yeah, you submitted your idea. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. I put forward a pretty good plan, I think. I, I thought, yeah, it was He's, quick. You just you just have the smokestacks and you just put a mask over them. Yeah. You can change out the mask frequently. You can put three masks on there. Yeah. If you want to. Or you could vaccinate the environment against carbon. I don't know if you could do that maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's possible, yeah. but he's putting forward a hundred million dollars towards this competition for someone to create something for carbon removal or for carbon capture, something like that. And this is from CNN. And really the funny story is the top tweet response to this, which we'll get to here in a sec. 
Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk is putting up 100 million big ones for a new XPRIZE competition aimed at spurring the creation of a new carbon removal technology and helping to ease the climate crisis. By the way, he's taking a play out of uh, Bill Gates' playbook. Mm-hmm. I think Which is so smart. Gates has put up like 30 million before for the, how much did he put up for the toilets? That I think it was just a million dollar competition. Yeah. Or was, maybe 10 million. I think maybe 10 was, million, maybe. Yeah, $10 million competition for 10, uh, waterless toilets, by the way. The pr- and they, it worked. <laughs> they had some pretty good ideas. It was insane. The prize will be the largest cash incentive in history. Uh, uh, unless you create a company that you know the government's going to give money to someday. That's right, a little bit right. bigger cash incentive. According to XPRIZE, a long-running organization that hosts competitions focused on spurring innovation, carbon removal refers to technologies that can extract carbon dioxide, a pollutant that is among the leading causes of climate change, from the atmosphere or, or ocean to mitigate the warming, warming effect that copious amounts of CO2 emitted due to human activity are having on our planet now i have a question for you yeah and i just want this to be a question that these scientists asks Mm -hmm. what could go wrong with this like what if we take out too much carbon what's interesting is musk Uh, talks about this at the end of the article what what if we take out too much carbon (laughs) and then we freeze to death death. (laughs) like what i mean has anybody thought about that musk is thinking about it okay i'm sure they are i'm just like Okay, you, you devise a solution, and that's great. But then what if you take out too much? The goal, according to... I would a, hate to be the one pushing the button. That would suck. That would you suck. remember uh, Spaceballs? You know, <laughs> I've have, actually, I haven't seen that movie since I was like 10 years old, probably. They have the, uh, well, what's that, like, made spaceship where they're trying to suck all the air out of this planet, and they flip the switch, and they're like, sir, she's gone from suck to blow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody, uh, somebody help me out with that. Someone help him out on this because I can't. <laughs> what did they call that uh, that machine? That it was some kind of maid or whatever. It's like this big vacuum cleaner. They like put it on. They were trying to that suck all so the ridiculous. air out. So if I were, if, if it were me, I would try to come up with some kind of reference to that. The, I'm <laughs> sure Musk would think about that. It was mega maid. Right. That's right. <laughs> the goal is, sir. Sp- she's gone from suck to blow. <laughs> the goal is to spur the invention of a range of carbon removal solutions in order to address the biggest threat facing humanity. The competition will run for four years, and it asks contestants to propose, test, and demonstrate technologies that could be used to extract carbon dioxide. About 15 million will be distributed across the teams that choose to participate in the competition as seed money to help get their development programs off the ground. Another 5 million would be reserved specifically for student teams. A grand prize of 50 million big ones will go to whichever team can can prove its technology can extract at least 1,000 metric tons or 2 million pounds of carbon dioxide per year with the potential to scale up to extracting millions of metric tons of CO2 later down the road. Dude, we should totally enter this competition so we can get our $15 million and we'll just plant a bunch of trees. <laughs> they talk about trees here in a sec. <laughs> Musk, who first announced his attention to start a competition tree, we'll in January. Buy a tree farm with our $15 million. During an interview with the... Uh, I mean, that's going to extract out a, a it million, will help. 2 million it pounds. Will help. Can we extract 2 million pounds with a big tree farm? He's, I'm not, I, I don't know. Serious. I don't know how much carbon trees take out, but I know that they happen to like carbon quite a bit. We'll make this a whole. We'll make this a whole uh, live group thing. He said, "Yeah, that could be a. Well, let's make a new channel in the group." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said he was moved to put the money up for the competition because he believes creating such carbon removing technologies will take a while to figure out, especially when it comes to finding economically viable solutions. He said, "Quote." 
You want to look at both the benefits and cut the costs, Musk said. You don't want to, the cure to be worse than the disease. There are already many proposed methods for removing or sequestering CO2 from simply planting trees to more speculative concepts, such as adding iron to the oceans to speed the uptake of atmospheric CO2. Now, that one sounds slightly dangerous. Musk emphasized that the goal of the competition is to find methods that are economically viable and to think through the peripheral challenges that come with each approach. Uh, he said planting trees is a good thing, Musk noted, but no solution is perfect or simple. How do you get fertilizer? Where is your water going to come from? What habitat are you potentially destroying? Musk said. So it's not just a no-brainer. So, Charlie, your no-brainer idea just might not work for Elon Musk here. I don't know. It's... <clears throat> So, uh, so after all that, here's the here's why I actually picked this to talk about. He takes a picture in a forest full of trees. After all that, the top comment on CNN, which ran this, you think about all this. Musk is gonna potentially stop climate change from happening with a with a hundred million dollar grant to someone who's gonna create this amazing technology. What are you worried about if you're someone on the left? What are you most worried about now? What because you need to be upset about something. Mm -hmm. You have to be upset. I don't like Elon Musk, and he can't fix this. What's I the didn't realize there were a bunch of Musk haters. They're, oh, they're there's everywhere. A lot. Yeah. They hate him. They hate this guy. Here's the top response on CNN's article. Uh-huh. And who will own the patent? <laughs> That's what you're worried about. That's what they're most worried about. That's what you're most... Not the fact that we're going to clean the carbon <laughs> no, out of the air. No. And we're no longer going to die in nine or ten years. That's not it. No. It's who's going to own the patent? Who will own the patent? That is the important part that the left must worry about here. Now, I know this person doesn't speak for all the left, but it was still the top comment on CNN's article. Which means it had a, a lot of likes. Which means, yeah. So, I can't, I, for the life of me, I cannot wrap my mind around hearing about someone putting up their own money. Now, first off, from the left, you got to think, well, this is not his own money. This is all our own money, of course. He didn't get that money by creating any type of value. So that's where you have to start with this idea. He did it by extracting it from his slave laborers. Because <laughs> if, if you believe that Elon Musk has not justly earned any of this money, then when he puts money forward to create this technology, your first thing's got to be, well, is he going to own it? Because then we got to talk about this. Who do you think's going to own the patent? The freaking person who's putting up $100 million and might not get anything for it whatsoever. Right then maybe no one's going to create anything from this. I don't care if Elon Musk gets 100% of the proceeds from it for the next thousand years. Would it, have, would it have been created if he would not have put the money up for it? I know a lot of libertarians don't like patents, don't like IP laws, mm -hmm. don't like any of those types of things. I, I happen to be a pro-patent, although I know the system has been very much misused and simply tweaking one little thing could extend your patent for another 30 years. Right. And I think that there need to be conversations about but coming from two former musicians. Yes. <laughs> intellectual property is important. It is very important. I'm the, I, let me tell you, most of us starve out there, by the way, I can't tell you how many shows I played where people thought I was a rock star and it felt good. Not going to lie. It felt good. People thought I was famous and they were like, oh, my God, can I get a picture with you? I took a lot of pictures, assigned a lot of foreheads, and <laughs> it was that, that part was fun. But what they didn't know is that I was sleeping at the local Walmart parking lot that night. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's 
that's where I was either in a van or we did have a bus one or two times. That was nice. Uh, but for the most part, it's a very tough life out on the road. And so when you have people that can just literally record the same song as you and, and go out and uh, you know, all the work that you put into creating the music and then they can just, you already did all the work and then they can just take your labor. I mean, to me, that's like taking your labor mm -hmm. that all the, the, the heart and soul and everything that you put into this creation to this baby that you made, they can just take that and then make money off of you. To me, that's, that's, there has to be some kind of protection for your fruits of your labor, right? Because if I dig a ditch, somebody just can't come in and just take money out of my wallet. You well, know? the government can. Well, the government can, which, <laughs> which is wrong. Yeah. So to me, it's the same thing. Digging a ditch is the same thing as creating a song. How can you take my song and just go out there and sell it as your own? You know, you're not going to sell. You can't sell my ditch or take, take my hourly wage for digging the ditch. It's the same thing. It's the fruits of your labor. What I like, and I've been working on this. I've been, I've been working through this idea for a bit, but a lot of libertarians who don't like intellectual property also believe that crypto and online currency is going to be the savior for our currencies. You why do you have a right to that courage? Just something that's on the internet that you that you say you have yeah. some type of right to because you purchased it. I don't know. That's, that's pretty weird to me. But yeah, absolutely. If you create something, especially knowing from two people who've been in the band, the amount of time and effort and money that goes into creating something like that, um, I absolutely believe that you should have copyright laws. I absolutely, absolutely believe you should have patents, intellectual property, things like that. Now, have we, has it gone way overboard? Yeah, I think it has. But I don't think that you should throw the baby out with the bathwater, oh. as they say. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that that system has been taken over uh, by a lot I of people. I don't think you should drown it. the baby in the bathwater. I do think that saying that you don't have that, Ayn Rand made a lot of really good arguments on this too. She was in favor of of IP, of, of copyright, things like that. Of course, she was an author. I don't think she wanted anyone to just copy down her book and then send it out and say, hey, this is my book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, of course she did. But she, she made a lot of good points about how not allowing people to have the intellectual property or the copyrights says that your thoughts don't have any value. Your thoughts. They don't belong to you. That, that that is what sets us apart from other animals on the planet is our ability to think rationally and our ability to take our thoughts and put them into actions and create amazing things. And by not allowing that, that you are saying that those things don't have any value. And I think that they do. And I think that you do have a right to your thoughts. And if you put them out there and they are original, especially if they are discovering, uh, if they're creating something new that didn't exist beforehand, I, I think they're, I didn't expect to talk about patents or IP or anything yeah. today, but anyway. Well, cause a lot of libertarians that listen to this podcast are going to stop listening after this. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you know what? I don't care. Yeah. You're not, you're not for us. Okay. Right. And we're not for you. Yeah. That's so the thing. deal with it. Or we'll just have some differences and we'll work on yeah. other more important things. Like, well, we uh, made our case, you know, yeah. it's, you're, it's going to be hard pressed to, I think that the, the burden of proof lies with you, uh, that, that you somehow own my thoughts. Yeah. Because that's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. If I'm not allowed to protect my thoughts, otherwise, why would I give them? I just wouldn't give them out. That is the most common argument uh, for patents for copyright laws is why would you take the risk on something 
if you weren't going to have any type of ability to recoup the rewards from that? Why would a drug company put $10 billion into a medication? If they, as soon as they discovered it, as soon as they put it out there, mm -hmm. someone else was just able to do it. Everyone would just sit here waiting for other people to do things all the time. You would stifle, uh, there was no incentive yeah. for innovation. And, and that's the problem. And because, well then, and, and think about this, if you have a company out there that can just do that, they'll just steal everyone else's thing and get, move on with it. Then the company who actually created the idea, would they just no longer exist because mm -hmm. they couldn't recoup their costs and they got a business. And then now that innovation hub that was there is now gone. And you've destroyed the incentive for future companies to exactly. take that risk. So why would they? It's actually, it is the most common argument for copyright, for patents. And there's a reason it's the most common argument because it really is the strongest basis. If you take away your ability to recoup from your investments, then people are going to stop making the investments. That's it really is that simple. Bingo, bango, bongo. <laughs> All right, last thing here. Last this one. This would have been a dumb bleep, by the way. This came from the dumb bleep section on the Discord page, but like a lot of things, I just couldn't hold it. This is from the UK. I don't know what that meant. It's. it's <laughs> I don't know. Like when, like when you feel like an All-American. Yeah. <laughs> this is from the Independent. Uh, thanks, Great Britain. Really appreciate your all the things you contribute to our media. Caitlyn Jenner labeled anti-trans after saying trans girls shouldn't compete in female sports teams. <laughs> of course. Caitlyn Jenner has said she doesn't believe that trans... Transgender Caitlyn Jenner. She's... By the way, she... We just said she. She doesn't believe that transgender girls should take part in all female sports teams because it just isn't fair. This is okay. Former Olympian, by the way, who competed at the highest level, uh, who competed at the highest level as a man against other men, by the way. Maybe someone will listen to on now sports team. Now she has transitioned into Caitlyn and is a she. So I feel like she would be able to say the most about this kind of thing. Speaking to TMZ on Saturday, the former Olympian and reality TV star was asked to offer her opinion on legislation that exists in various U.S. states to ban biological boys who are trans from playing girls sports in school. This is a question of fairness, Jenner replied. That's why I oppose biological boys who are trans competing in girls sports in school. It just isn't fair, and we have to protect girls sports in our schools. The reporter went on to ask Jenner if such a ban was delegitimizing to a trans person's identity, but Jenner did not respond and told them to have a good day before getting into her car. The 71-year-old who recently announced she's running for California governor, 71-year-old, wow, did not know that, clarified her stance in a tweet. I didn't expect to get asked this on my Saturday morning coffee run, but I'm clear about where I stand, she said. This is an issue of fairness, and we need to protect girls' sports in our schools. Jenner has been criticized for her comments on social media, with some users labeling the former reality star who came out as transgender in 2015, who won a, an award for, from ESPN for being female. <laughs> um, Anti-trans. Definitely against trans. Caitlyn Jenner is anti-trans. She doesn't understand the science, and she is pandering to the ignorance of anti-trans people. I have absolutely no problem saying Caitlyn Jenner supports and directly benefits from transphobia. <laughs> No problem saying that. I'm glad you have no problem saying that. No. <laughs> no problem saying that. Thanks. I got to tell you, we talked a little bit about Caitlyn Jenner. I this think is what, this is where the snake starts eating its tail, by the way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because once you get so deep into something, 
you have to like there, there's so much vic- someone who literally changed their sex changed their gender wears female clothes has a wig uh got implants has boobs maybe <laughs> I, we don't know for sure it could be just wearing a mrs doubtfire outfit every day i don't know but anyway identifies as female an actual public probably one of the most famous trans that you have is now anti-trans is anti-trans of course just, and you know why she's anti-trans yeah because she's running as a republican yeah that's for governor why. yeah that's why mm. and anti-trans it, that's literally it and we i think we talked about this last week or the week before i don't really remember um but they'll have to do anything they can to destroy caitlin jenner's candidacy anything because if there is a Governor Jenner out there, it destroys a lot of arguments. It destroys the Republicans being anti-trans, for sure. It mm-hmm. really hurts that argument. Yeah. Quite a bit when you elect a trans governor as a Republican. Yeah. That's, it, that makes it pretty difficult to make that argument. But they have to make sure that, that she is labeled as anti-trans to make sure that even if she wins, that it's still because people are anti-trans. Still, I'm I'm following along <laughs> you, perfectly. Are you connecting the dots yes, here? Yes, this all makes sense. Even if the Republicans elect a transgender person, they can still label everyone as anti-trans because Caitlyn Jenner doesn't like it when biological boys compete with other biological females. And by the way, that just simply makes sense. Okay, I mean Joe Rogan was called anti-trans yeah, as well. Still is same thing. Still is. So, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't really care what anyone wants to use as their pronouns. I'll call anyone, whatever it is they want to be called. Um, If Caitlyn Jenner feels that she is a woman and wants to be called that way, it doesn't affect me really any to, to call her a woman. I don't really care. But when it comes to competing in a physical activity against other people, there are just obvious biological differences. They have all the, you notice they have all these excuses. Like when black people come out in support of conservative ideas or liberty, liberty ideas, they're just uncle Tom's. Yeah. Uncle Tom's they're, they're confused. Obviously we we didn't talk about I love that one where Candace Owens was sitting there and she's like, well, what's my evidence for this? I've been black in America for 30 years, for 30 years. (laughs) I'm black in America. It doesn't matter. It's all about winning elections. It's all about making sure people are divided it's all about trying to make sure that your team wins. And speaking of teams winning, it's not fair if you have biological females trying to compete against biological males or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And the, for the same reason, this is a physical activity. For the same reason you wouldn't have the, the varsity high school boys team compete against the grade school basketball team. Yeah. That would be unfair. There would be a, an obvious physical advantage that they would have over that team. Oh, you mean like how the high school soccer team beat the women's national team? <laughs> Maya, I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt and say that they maybe didn't compete super hard in that <sighs> game to try and throw it so that team could win. Of course. is is uh, That's most that's likely what, the scenario. That's what my assumption is because I don't really know. But yeah, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Yep. It's just, uh, it doesn't mean that you're anti-trans in my opinion. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like that makes me anti-trans because like, I don't care. Biology's real. It's, it's just. It's science. It's real. Yeah. Well, apparently we don't understand the science. That's yeah. what. That's what. The, I like how they said Caitlyn Jenner is anti-trans. She 
doesn't understand the science. Yeah. And she is pandering to the ignorance of anti-trans people. No, she's just stating biological facts. She also supports and directly benefits from transphobia. Yeah, that's what it is. A transgender person. Yeah. That's a good way to start out dumb bleep. Yeah. I can't wait for Friday. There's an early dumb bleep (laughs) entry for you guys. Well, I know you guys enjoyed today's show. It was absolutely fantastic. And so if you did, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Share the show with a friend, an enemy, a parent, an uncle, an aunt. Share it with the children. Uh, with the children need to hear this message. And uh, that, that way we, that, that's what we really need. We need to raise the youth up mm-hmm. uh, to, to know and understand liberty, that this is the best way to live. I had a friend ask me over the weekend, a good friend of mine, and he goes, he was like, Charlie, He's like, you seem to be, uh, you know, like obsessed with money. Why is that? And I said, well, you know, a lot of people would be offended by that question, but not me. <laughs> and, and that's because I don't care to tell you guys that I want to be rich. And the reason why I want to be as rich as I possibly can is because rich equals freedom. I don't care that much about fancy houses or cars or any of that kind of stuff. I, what I ultimately care about is having enough money that if my son or future kids or anything like that, anybody I love needed a million dollar heart surgery, I wouldn't have to worry about whether insurance would cover it or not. I would just be able to stroke the check or bring in a suitcase full of money (laughs) or transfer all my Bitcoin. (laughs) You know, like that's what I care about because that's what it means. You know, when they say, I'll spare my mom on this one. When they say F you money, <laughs> that they say that for a reason. Yeah. It's because you can go anywhere, do anything. And if people start holding you back, well, then you just leave. Remember how 42,000 millionaires left France? Like being wealthy, it allows you to have the most amount of freedom despite what anything does, which is why on this show, we talk so much about personal responsibility. Yes. We complain about the issues. Yes, we talk about them, how we can make them better. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. And you need personal responsibility to pursue something of meaning to set your you and your family up for the most amount of liberty possible, despite your environment and the circumstances and anybody else trying to hold you back. Who the president is, it doesn't matter. The market is the market. And so we need people understanding that if you take personal responsibility, you don't you don't rely on Caitlyn Jenner uh, becoming governor or not because you have all these trans beliefs and now she's going to be governor and all these trans people, whatever. Like if you would just focus on yourself, whoever made this comment and, and you had FU money and go wherever you want and set up your little trans community and who cares? Live out your trans life. That's the <laughs> ultimate freedom. And the, and the greatest thing I can say about this is that you have the ability to do it. You know, Nate and I don't talk about growing up in trailers and being poor because like we want people to feel sorry for us. We say that because we come from a place where anything is possible. You know, Nate and I now have basically three different businesses that we operate and we grew up in trailers with nothing. And, and now we have a lot of opportunity in our lives, not because, not because we're white, (laughs) And not because of anything else, but because we have similar philosophy and ideas we set up where it's our fault. It's our job. It's our responsibility to go out and accomplish these things. And if we can do it, anyone can do it. I'm telling you, we're not the smartest kids in the shed. 
<laughs> is that how that works yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we're not just, exactly see you get my point yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right just made my point clear and if and if it's possible for for you know people like us and it's possible for anyone and i think to me that's the ultimate message and uh that's what i reminded my friend this week is like and and he told me he's like you know i'm kind of cool just you know being you know like having a simple life or whatever and i was like that's great that's great for you if that's what you want that some people are like that some people are just like, like ah, don't call me for help i want when you need it because <laughs> so i just were, heard you say that right <laughs> <laughs> so we were like i just want to work collect a check and just kind of live a simple life whatever and that's great do that if you want to but i i look more like a hundred years in the future i'm like okay well what's it going to be like for my kid and my grandkids and and how can i do the most i possibly can and shoulder the most responsibility in this life that i can to to be not only where i want to be where but the people that i love and, and where they want to be and that's the ultimate freedom so if you guys believe in that same ideology then you would share this mother truck and show with all your friends and your kids and the children on on the playground don't be creepy but you could just play it on a boom box or something. Hey kid, have you ever heard of Good Morning Liberty? <laughs> I got some Good Morning Liberty in my van. <laughs> you wanna, I'm kidding. I got I'm, a whole van full of Liberty right over here. Yeah, ice cream too. Ice cream and Liberty. I'm kidding, obviously. So anyway, share the show with a friend. Leave us that rating review on iTunes, please, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere that you can. And if you guys do all of those things, we'll be back again. Do you have anything you want to say? But just. Oh, no. Oh, I'd, on top of that? I like it. You want to talk about your trailer? I was going to talk about my trade PRPO. I'm up 200% on it That's now. That's amazing. It hit 740. Nice. I got in at 226. Nice. You should have bought more. That is the only problem. This is my philosophy, folks. I want my biggest problem in life to be that I didn't buy more. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was my biggest problem today that I didn't buy more, but I'm still happy with where this went. I don't ask my clients to judge me on my winners. <laughs> I ask them to judge me on my losers because I have so few. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you guys do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>